When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. And when you go to Empire Media, you can become a member of the show. See the word join, click on that. There's going to be three different levels of membership. See which one you want to do and go from there. We greatly appreciate those who believe in us enough to want the extra content and support the show. Very, very, very much appreciated. We do not take it for granted. I'm going to be starting this week and to give those of you who have already subscribed some extra content, some, some quick hit videos, and hopefully a private Zoom session with you gold members, and you can ask whatever you want. Anyway, in a minute, I'm going to be joined by Tim McManus, our ESPN Eagles reporter, just as a, is there a crack in the door to for other teams in the NFC East, namely the Commanders? What kind of advancement can they make in the division? What's going on with the Eagles? And I wanted to bring them on because what's going on there impacts the rest of the division. And is the door open for a quick turnaround in Washington? So. Stay tuned for that. But first, a couple updates on the coaching search. As you know, Washington now can hire anybody it wants with Detroit and Baltimore both out of the postseason. That means Ben Johnson's available. That means Mike McDonald's available. Washington is expected to have five interviews early this week. The expectation is that the interviews will be wrapped up by Tuesday night. That means a new coach should be named this week. It's hard to imagine them going beyond this week. I can't imagine the NFL wants them to extend it beyond this week into the week of the Super Bowl. This is the week to get it done. So it's very possible that we'll know somebody who will know the next coach of the commanders, perhaps by midweek, maybe by certainly by later in the week, if the interviews indeed wrap up Tuesday night. Now, there's a chance because it's an ambitious schedule interviewing five people over two days that it could spill into Wednesday. Don't know if that's going to be the case. But they're going to be talking to um, Aaron Glenn, Ben Johnson, Dan Quinn, then Anthony Weaver, and Mike McDonald from the Ravens. So they'll get those done, and, and the you know they'll be they'll satisfy all the Rooney Rule stuff. Everything will be good to go. They also interviewed Bobby Slowick last week in person, and then they're going to inter. They excuse me. They interviewed Eric Bieniemy a few weeks ago. Also, there was some confusion about how many times Dan Quinn is interviewed with Washington. This is only his second interview, so. I think there was some confusion about that, but suffice to say, it's his first in-person and second overall. Now, Seattle, of course, is the other team that's out there with an opening, and there is a crossover as far as some interest. If if both teams want Mike McDonald, they can now both talk to him because Seattle would have been in trouble had Baltimore kept winning because they did not interview McDonald via Zoom. That would have meant they would have had to have waited until the Ravens season was over to get to talk to him in person. So if they had gone on to the Super Bowl, they'd have been in big trouble. 
But because this, their season is over, both teams can now interview him in person. The other crossovers, Dan Quinn and, of course, Ben Johnson. And now the other part of this is, you know, I think there's obviously been a lot of momentum or a lot of smoke around Ben Johnson in Washington. And that's because that's the expectation of people like me, a lot of media. That's when you talk to people in the league, that's the expectations that Washington will hire Ben Johnson. That doesn't mean they're going to hire Ben Johnson. It's just the expectation of people in the league. And it has been for a while, but we still don't know because Washington isn't talking. Their leadership group has been very, very quiet. They're not letting stuff get out as far as who they favor or how the interviews are going, et cetera. Great tactic, makes it tough on this end sometimes, but it's a very smart and, and a good tactic to, to take place is to not telling, you know, not saying a whole lot because one of the things this organization hasn't done very good over the years is kept its mouth shut. So anyway, they're trying to change that and it's starting with the coaching search. And but the good thing for everybody here is that by the end of the week, I think we'll know who the next coach is, whether it's Ben Johnson, Dan Quinn, Mike McDonald, whomever. And again, I know all of you guys want Ben Johnson because of his offensive acumen. Just keep in mind, it, it's not going to come down necessarily to the interviews um, because I think they already know a lot about these guys. But do they who do they believe and trust will be the best leader for the franchise. Because if you're just a good offensive mind, that's great, but you better combine it with leadership skills and then finding a quarterback because that's always the key. If you do that, you can be a big success. And if that's if they feel it's Ben Johnson, that dude will be here. But I think, again, he's going to be talking to Seattle as well. And um, so we'll see which, which place he would favor and, you know, and all that good stuff. Now, and also this week, the senior bowl is going on. So teams will be sending people down there. Washington will have its contingent of scouts down there. I think Adam Peters will be down there. I think for a day, it's more important for the scouts to be down there. Everybody else can get footage. They can get footage of the interviews. They can get footage of practice. So if they're not there, they can still be clued in as to what takes place. And they're going to have all sorts of chances for more interviews at the combine and then the in-person visit. So, you know, but that's like more and more teams, they, they're going to send their scouts. But a lot of, they're, you know, certainly if more than a few teams that don't send their coaches there because they can, because again, they want them back doing evaluation or other stuff. Um, and you can get the practice footage. So they're okay there. And you can get, again, footage of the interviews. So that's going on this week as well. But the big thing will be who will be the next coach. That should be determined very soon. And I think we can all then be happy that that's over and then move on to see how does that person then put together their staff? Because as, as I've told you a few times, as others on the show have told you a few times, that is the most important step. Just getting a good, good, getting a big name for the head coach or getting a good head coach, not enough. You've got, they've got to then hire the staff. That's got to be a key part of the interview is who would you hire for your staff? If you don't, if you don't have a good staff put together, if they don't feel like it's a good staff, that would be a red flag. I'm guessing they're going to come in there with a pretty good plan for all of them. So anyway, that's it from me. So I, again, I wanted to talk to Tim McManus, our Eagles reporter, just to see how open is that door for other teams to make a move and can Washington kind of close that gap in one year. So here's my conversation with ESPN's Tim McManus. Tim, while they search for a head coach down here and remake their organization, 
Philly seems to be in a state of flux this offseason. They have been the model franchise, I think, in that division for a while. How do you view this organization right now, um, where they're at? Yeah, I feel like they're at a, a critical point here, actually, John. Um, and it's it's somewhat strange to say, because if you look big picture at Nick Sirianni and what he's done here, He's been in the playoffs three out of three years. He's got a 667 win percentage, and it was less than a year ago that that his team was playing in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs and almost beat them. Uh, So to be saying that things might be a little bit more unstable at this point uh, seems strange when you look at it from from the bigger picture. But if you narrow the focus and look at how things transpired down the stretch for the Eagles uh, this past year, you saw that there was uh, a pretty significant collapse after a 10 and one start, a firing of a defensive or it was a demoting, but essentially a firing of a defensive coordinator in mid-December with an expectation that the defense would respond to, to a new defensive play caller, which did not happen and made it a lot worse. Offense loaded with talent was never able to maximize it. Frustration was everywhere. And you could sense by the end of it on both sides of the ball, like, you know, are the are the players properly responding to, to what's being coached? Do they understand what's being coached? Do they agree with what's being coached? And so all of that made for, you know, this sense of turbulence that at least to this point has resulted in the firing of, of two coordinators and kind of the um, the removal of some of some more of Nick Sirianni's power, where where when we met with him a couple of days ago, he said that the new offensive coordinator is going to essentially be in charge of the offense, which is a a departure from the way that it happened in the past, basically making Sirianni like a CEO head coach. And uh, so yeah, there's there's still fallout from from a very disappointing ending to a season, and some big questions that get raised about. How to move forward. And, that, you know, so again, like you step back two months, it looks like they can rule the division for several years because of how they, you know, it's a well-oiled machine, et cetera. How do you know, you know, do you, do you look at them differently because of that? And, you know, or, or you just go, Hey, see how it shakes out. Well, I mean, as we know, like winning is, uh, you know, cures a lot of ales and, and obviously if they get, if a new OC and DC in here, Vic Fangio is going to be the defensive coordinator. It's the guy they wanted last year. And if they get a dynamic offensive coordinator that breathes some life back into that offense and makes the, the core guys feel better about what they're doing, then, then yeah, we can, we could see that the trajectory could start going back up there. But this season was weird, John, in that like, it was almost like they were waiting for the losses to happen in order to, for the, you know, the venting to start or the ground to start trembling. Like even at 10 and one, this team didn't feel like a 10 and one team. There's a lot of expectation around this city um, and a lot of frustration internally about what was, what was going down. Uh, So I guess I'm not sitting here with a ton of confidence. Like they're, they're definitely going to rebound. I mean, there's, there's, there's key questions um, in particular, like with, with Jalen hurts, a guy who was on an MVP trajectory nearly you know, beat out Patrick Mahomes for that last year and then regressed. And he threw 15 picks this year, which was the equal of the amount that he threw the previous two years as a starter. And so we, we saw some decline there as we know so much is attached right. to the quarterback. Um, and so they, yeah, they have to, I'm, I'm still not like hundred percent convinced they're just going to rebound and be back to the Eagles that everybody's expecting. I think that there's some things that need to be sorted out quarterback, a big part of that. So you say like, and 
I agree. When these guys, when Washington played them twice, the first time I came away having concerns about that defense because I, I, I just saw a lot of holes. So, but when you, but they kept winning. But at 10 and one, were there things that players were grumbling about? Is that what it was? Or it just like they, you just knew they weren't playing well? Yeah, there was grumbling that was happening uh, behind the scenes defensively for sure. Uh, really, as soon as the, the the losing started, and then you saw that the you know whoever it was, whether it was Sirianni or the front office, ended up taking action and removing Sean Desai and promoting Matt Patricia to the defensive play caller. And you could sense uneasiness on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe it didn't take quite; it wasn't quite as soon as on the defensive side. But you, it wasn't long before you started sensing that there was at least frustration, if not cracks. That were going on, and and what my reporting suggested is that um, that Hertz, you know, was was not particularly happy with the direction of the offense. Uh, it led to frustration for him. Uh, he never saw his vision sort of manifest, and it seemed like the the trio of Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts just weren't really able to to get fully aligned. Now, an interesting wrinkle because Brian Johnson was Jalen Hurts' guy. Like, that's somebody that he's known since he was four years old, is very close with, and and he's been fired. And so what's the ramification of that, if any, as it applies to your quarterback? Well, what else – What in terms of Jalen, because, again, a year ago, like they got their guy for five years, whatever it is, right? Where are we at now with him? Is there – you know, what are the questions about him now going forward? It's funny how going back to like the the winning, curing all ails, like last year when he was stoic and just acting like himself, where he's very serious and he's very driven and it's like head down studying all the time. It's football, football. Um, That was looked at as look at this, you know, 24 year old, uh, you know, mature beyond his years quarterback. Uh, the leader of leaders. And then the losing started to happen. And then there were questions that start coming. And it's like, you know, is his head down too much? And is he leading in the right way? And does he need to, you know, wrap his arms around guys more? And those those kind of questions, I guess, start trickling in. And and he said, you know, the same things that when I was getting credit for last year, now people are are trying to paint essentially as a detriment. And so we need to be careful not to go over the top here. I think that that there definitely needs to be some growth when it comes to Hertz as a leader and he needs to get back to, you know, that form that he he had last year, but the right combination. I mean, this is, this is why I think this offseason is so important is because I do feel like it's a crossroads situation right now, like for him to be, you know, getting back on that right track, to be feeling good about the coaches he's surrounding about to be uh, or surrounded by, to be feeling good about the organization that he's in. I think that it needs to be massaged. I think that he needs to, you know, he and the new offensive coordinator and Nick Sirianni, they all have to make sure that they're aligned so that, you know, the product is what everybody's expecting. Do you, do you think, how do you hear them talking about Washington at all? Do you, what do you think the perception maybe is now with new owner and now Adam Peters in place and possibly Ben Johnson? Yeah, I feel like, you know, Washington just from the outside perspective is on the, is on the upswing, not like, I don't know that anybody's expecting it to be immediate, um, but but certainly uh, new ownership uh, couldn't get any worse type of thing. Um, you know, and people around here are familiar with Harris and there's there's mixed uh, opinions about him, I, I think, um, you know, of course, because he's the, the 76ers right. owner. Um, 
so there's mixed mixed opinions about him, but certainly I think everybody recognizes that it's it's an upgrade. And you know, and I know that the the buzz around Johnson is great. Um, you know, so so that would obviously add a new element. And then, you know, what are you doing at you know, at quarterback? And, right. you know, do you bring in, you know, some some real hope and optimism at that position too? So yeah, I think that's the the general feel. It's like not a threat quite yet, but you know, maybe could be in a couple of years. But I got, you know, because we always do our little NFC East picks and, you know, we know how it's usually Philly and Dallas and the the stepchild, the stepchildren are the Giants and and Washington. But in the past, when Snyder was here, like, did they ever see him as like a, any sort of a possible long-term threat? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, how would they view the organization under Snyder? Yeah, not, not as a threat. You know? <laughs> no. I mean, honestly, you know, just being totally honest, yeah, kind of, of like, like as, a, as a dysfunctional mess, I yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah. And so um, and that's yeah. where that's that's why I wonder now. And and right now they got to worry about their own thing. They're not going to worry about Washington. But sure. but if you know, it just I'm you're always curious about the perception outside of Washington, how things are going yeah. and how they might I don't want to say that's the organization's take on right, it. That's right. No, more, no. That's yeah. More Absol- like Philadelphia's that's your standpoint. Take on it. Correct. Does that makes right. sense. Like, yeah, absolutely. 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 Yeah. But it, but it is like, you know, it is it's a new day. And so it, it could, like you said, it could not get worse than what it was. And I'm surprised to hear that Philly sports fans might have a split opinion on an owner. <laughs> it's very short on opinions here in Philadelphia. Listen, the best thing, right down the middle. Yeah. yeah. The best thing that I enjoy is, and not that I don't sit there and root for a team, win or lose, but Philly's talk radio, the morning after a loss, even if they're un, even if they have been undefeated and they're 10 and one now, is just phenomenal. There's nothing like it. It's it's great. It's it's a very unique ecosystem to operate and work in and live in. It's just, you know, they I mean every, you know, your your town is very passionate about football, long-storied history, East Coast like you can name, you know, Boston and New York's and all those. There's there's a lot of great football towns, but I don't know if anybody is quite as wild or like invested in football and have that like just so like uniquely tied into their lives yes. about whether their lives are good, <laughs> you know, based on, based on the success or failures of their team. Yes. Listen, I grew up in Cleveland. I know how that goes. And yeah. that's, that's Cleveland on steroids, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, it's just a bigger city. So you have more of that, but the other la- la- two more things and the roster, how do you view the roster? Because like you look at that, there's some questions of secondary, you know, um, their D line looks pretty good, but like, how do you view the roster? And then even losing possibly Kelsey. Sure. Uh, defensive side is where most of the the needs lie. Uh, and you could really look at every level and say, yeah, they could, they could use edge rushers. They could absolutely use linebackers. This has been a big deficiency for the Eagles over the long term. Usually they get away with it here. They went a little bit extreme, got hit with an injury to Nicobe Dean. And it was just a problem all year. So linebacker is something that I think that they absolutely need to beef up. And you could even look at corners because both of your guys are, are north of 30 on, on the outside and Darius Slay and James Bradbury. And he had issues at the safety position. So really, Howie Roseman's going to have to be really busy about massaging that, uh, bringing some new talent in, player development now under the new coordinator and Vic Fangio. And one thing that's interesting is you look back at Fangio's history and some of the defenses that were really good under him and their linebacker play was really stout. I mean, guys like Patrick Willis and Navarro yeah. Bowman and, and Roquan Smith, right? So it's like um, they they definitely need to, to bolster that up. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, 
they seem to have a replacement plan in place with Cam Jurgens, who they drafted a couple of years ago and has developed. He played at right guard alongside Kelsey this year. They have a lot of faith in, you know, how physical and intelligent he is that that obviously nobody's going to fill the shoes exactly with Kelsey, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. But they feel pretty good about the succession plan there. So most of it's going to be defensively and then and then just trying to, uh, you know, find some complimentary pieces on offense to push that thing forward. Would Cam Jurgens also be at a game bare chest, bare shirt with no shirt on drinking beer? Is that part of his repertoire, too? No, I think that's. I think you need a solid thirteen years in the okay. in the league before you you hit that status, right? You, there you go. Before you can be hanging out with Taylor Swift and jumping out of boxes bare chested and upstaging Taylor Swift. Unbelievable! Who thought that could be done? That's yeah. You, I mean that that's that's where you know you've got something going for you, and it's and it probably didn't hurt his podcast at all either. So. It's pretty funny when they kept showing the flashing the Taylor Swift, and then you just see like the big bare chested guy in the in the back. Yeah, and that's but like when you when you have a center like that, the personality of your line is just different, and so like that stuff can be hard to replace. But you know, the good teams have the succession plan in place, and this team too often when they've had good linemen do not have a good succession plan in place, and that's why they go from good to worse to worse. Yeah, though it is a good point that you raise in terms of like you don't replace that personality or that leadership. And so now like Kelsey is is probably going to be gone. He said he hasn't fully made up his mind, but he suggested right. uh, to teammates, you know, after that loss to the Bucks that he was probably going to be moving on. And then when you're talking to young defensive linemen like Jordan Davis basically told us that Fletcher Cox is you know, let it be known that that he's not coming back. Hmm. Uh, he had, Fletcher Cox hasn't said anything, but Big that loss. was like Jordan Davis was like almost crying over the fact that he knew that that Fletcher Cox was going out like that. Uh, so that's two of of your top guys. Brandon Graham maybe comes back. He wants to. Do they pay him? Uh, but either way, he's on the the tail end of of his career. And so you're really losing. Like you know, they called that the core four those guys, and then Lane yeah. Johnson that have just been stewards of this locker room for years and years and years almost never happens where you have a collective group like that together. And so all of a sudden it becomes kind of a youngish team uh, with not fully clear answers on, on who replaces that leadership. And so that's, that's an interesting dynamic to keep uh, tabs on as well. That's why I want to talk to you because I just think it's an interesting off season for them and therefore the NFC East, because they have been the model organization over the last several years. So Tim, thanks a lot for joining on, for coming on your insight. Great. Everything. Thanks. All right, John. Always my pleasure, man. Talk to you soon. All right. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Tim for joining me and thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back on Tuesday morning with another episode. Talk to you next time.